The year is 1927, and a sense of urgency hangs thick in the air of all those who eat, sleep, and breathe entertainment. Something is happening, but they just can't put their finger on it. Some say the energy is akin to the boss strolling in to find his minions laying around like beatniks. Others feel more celestially and are looking to the heavens for a sign of what's to come. They are as sure as the day is long. Something extraordinary is coming. Then we have the pragmatic folks who just start building things willy-nilly, so they appear busy when the time comes. Fox Studios exhibits movie time. January 10, Fritz Lang's silent film Metropolis premieres in January 11. Royal Theater opens at 242 West 45th, New York City. January 21, first national opera broadcast from a U.S. opera house. Faust in January 24, Alfred Hitchcock releases his first film as director, The Pleasure Garden. In January 26, Maxwell Anderson's play, Saturday's Children, premieres in New York City. February 2, Zigfield Theater opens at 6th Avenue and 54th Street, New York City. February 4, KGAAM in Spokane, Washington begins radio transmission. February 5, The General, American silent film directed by Buster Keaton and Clive Bruckman, starring Al Boesberg, premieres in New York City. February 15, silent film It, is released in the U.S. starring Clara Bow. February 23, U.S. President Calvin Coolidge creates Federal Radio February 24. John Golden Theater opens at 252 West 45th Street, New York City. March 11, Samuel Roxy Rothafel opens Famous Roxy Theater, New York March 28, Majestic Theater opens at 245 West 44th Street, April 19, Actress Mae West, found guilty of obscenity and corrupting the morals of youth in a New York stage play entitled Sex. She is sentenced to 10 days in prison and fined $500. The resulting publicity launches her Hollywood career. May 11, Louis B. Mayer forms Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sci-14. Ain't She Sweet hits number one on the singles chart by Ben Burney. May 18. Grauman's Chinese Theater opens in Hollywood, California. August 1. Earliest date for a film to be considered for the Academy Awards. October 6. The Jazz Singer, directed by Alan Crossland and starring Al Jolson, is released. November 22. George Gershwin's musical Funny Face premieres in New York City, and the Neil Simon Theater opens at 250 West 52nd Street, New York City. December 4th. Duke Ellington opens at the Cotton Club in Harlem. In December 27th, Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein II's Showboat premieres in New York City. With all of the theaters opening in 1927, 
Creation of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and all the movement toward talkies. It's as if they knew. Early that year, there was born a girl who would light up those theaters like a woman on fire. Blaze trails through a segregated Hollywood and record some of history's most treasured songs. She would bring a perennial Christmas favorite to the ears of the jolly from 1953 to present. She purred her way permanently into our hearts in just three television episodes in 1967 and 1968. Our beloved Chanteuse was blacklisted from working in the States under President Lyndon Johnson for having the audacity to speak truth to his wife, who had invited her to do so in the first place. Later, when entertainers of her generation had long since retired, she enjoyed bringing voice to a long-standing Disney film favorite. Through it all, and to the end, she was always doing what she loved most, playing live and in person to fans around the globe who she chose as family. This is the genesis of Bertha Kent. Via railroad in the latter part of the 19th century, the town of North in South Carolina was developed by a Confederate veteran named John North. According to modern census statistics, the entire town is less than one square mile in mass and houses well under 1,000 residents. The median household income, being only $21,000, leaves around 30% of the population below the line of poverty. It was in those cotton fields of North, a nowhere town in South Carolina, who was no stranger to slavery and subjugation of its black population. There was born one Eartha May Kitt on January 26, 1926. Or was she? As Eartha discovered in her 71st year, this was not true at all. The confusion was caused by a number of events which all worked in unison to shape the person Eartha would become. These events created in her a drive, a necessity for family connection, loyalty, an unwavering commitment to humanity, and an unquenchable thirst to learn anything and everything she could, making the most of every opportunity and being thankful for it all. Bertha was born from a non-consensual union between her white father and perpetrated against her mother, 
who was just a young teen at the time. She would never learn the identity of the man who impregnated her mother, as his name was redacted from the birth certificate. She didn't hold in her hand until the end of an exhaustive fight to obtain it. She believed the man to be the son of a plantation owner, which would very well explain why her birth record was sealed and kept from her as it was. What she did come to learn was that her actual date of birth was January 17, 1927. Eartha was born in St. Matthews, South Carolina, but unfortunately the rest of the tale remains the same. In all actuality, the narrative gets substantially worse before it gets better. It is always difficult in a situation like this when the details get so dark to decide what to share and what not to share. I have put any concerns of accuracy aside as everything reported here was learned directly from Eartha Kitt's own mouth from many interviews over the decades. Balancing on the line between propriety and the need to know can be tough when recounting events from someone else's life. As I said in my introduction to Eartha Kitt, we learn history in an effort not to repeat it. These are the events which do not bear repeating for anyone, anywhere, at any time, for any reason. No human being ever deserves the following treatment. Some of Eartha's earliest memories could easily be romanticized and given the rose-colored glasses treatment as she and her half-sister walked the countryside and forests with their mother, living off the land and the kindness of strangers. However, it was when her mother seemed to tire of this nomadic life that Eartha's darkest days would be upon her. I'm going to use a term here in a moment that is ugly and wretched. I use it for historical context and because Eartha herself stated it many times and its bearing on who she would become is crucial. As a biracial child in the Deep South a hundred or so years ago, it was common for others to call Eartha and others like her a yellow girl, which some consider to be even more offensive than the N-word because a yellow girl isn't accepted by either blacks or whites. As she belonged to each, she belonged to neither. When her mother eventually made the acquaintance of a man who already had children of his own, Eartha herself overheard him tell her mother that he didn't want that yellow girl in his house. He'd take her sister, but not Eartha. These were terms her mother would accept, so she left Eartha with another family and walked away. At this point, we still have an opportunity for the story to take a turn for the better and see Eartha transform 
from a poor little girl to the global superstar she was to be. But no, I'm sad to say that her story goes from bad to worse before the next bend. The family she found herself with was unusually and sadistically cruel to Eartha. From her own recollections, she spoke of the physical, mental, and sexual abuse she suffered by this family. Eartha Kitt, who would grow up to play one of history's most memorable Catwoman roles, was often tied to trees and beaten with switches until she was bleeding from welts on her thighs and bottom. She was worked like a mule and starved regularly, often being left to fend for scraps along with a family dog. As a teenager, she was edging closer to losing her life to this unsufferable abuse when someone in town took it upon themselves to look up an aunt in New York. They wrote to her, pleading for her to send for Eartha before this family killed her. As a fan of a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, it seems like every time we think the protagonist will catch a break, another awful situation takes shape instead. This is how it went for Eartha. But remember, this isn't a fanciful work of fiction. These were her formative years, the time in everyone's life when our experiences directly dictate who we become as a person. Her Aunt Rosa did send for Eartha, and her abusers did put her on the train with a bit of food from South Carolina bound for New York City. When Kit arrived, not only did she have to deal with culture shock, having just been transplanted from cotton fields to the urban metropolis of NYC, but she found herself in the home of a cold and inattentive aunt she didn't know. Eventually, deciding that she was in Aunt Rosa's way, Eartha found jobs after school, mainly to have somewhere else to be, somewhere to belong. Enter Catherine Dunham into the life of 18-year-old Eartha Kitt. This crossroads, where the lives of these two biracial historical figures cross, should be a deep dive in its own right, and should not be understated. However, that will need to be a project in and of itself. On a dare, Eartha showed up at an audition for Catherine Dunham's dance group totally unprepared, with nothing but an undeniable stage presence and raw ability. It worked. Soon, Eartha was touring Europe as part of Dunham's troupe, which was introducing African and Caribbean dance to the global culture. This had far-reaching impact on society as we know it today. History was made on the stages, which were graced by Eartha Kitt and the rest of Catherine Dunham's dancers. This, dear Rowan, is where we wrap up today's lesson on the legend who was Eartha Kitt.
If it's true that legends never die if we keep telling their stories, then I am thrilled to do my part in keeping Eartha alive and hope you do the same. Tell her story so that she lives forever in our hearts, in our speakers, and on our screens. We love you, Eartha. With all my love and admiration, Papa. <laughs>